because you're jumping back into the gap. All right, let's hey, go. Coach. Welcome to the Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Oliver. I appreciate you joining us for this week's podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit basketballimmersion.com for more coaching resources and access to all the basketball podcasts. I hope you will give us a shout out on social media on Twitter at Bball Immersion or on Instagram at Basketball Immersion to help me continue to share the game. Enjoy the episode. Coach is super excited today to have Brett Burchard with us, uh, co-founder of the Mindset Development Company Championship Shift and co-author of Catching Confetti, Developing the Mindset of a Champion. For the last 10 seasons, he has worked with the Phoenix Suns in various roles, most recently as development coach and the head coach of their G League team. And that's where I got to know Brett and uh, super excited. Welcome to the podcast, Brett. Thanks for having me on, Coach. It's a privilege to be here. I've been a fan of the podcast for a long time and a, and a fan of your content for a long time. So excited and, uh, and honored to be able to contribute a little bit. Well, I'm excited because the topic to me is is an awesome topic and uh, it's something that I know you've devoted a lot of time to. So you mentioned to me when you started doing more player development for the Suns that you saw the need for something beyond physical development. Can you talk about that process? Yeah. For me, uh, I guess when I was moving from video coordinator into more player development, um, obviously started helping players develop their skills and and started working with the strength coaches and and combining what they were doing in the weight room with their bodies and with the skills. And then I found this, I found that something was missing. There was a piece there that wasn't being talked about. It wasn't being addressed. It was kind of being left up to chance. And, uh, and that was the mental side of the game. And for me, it broke off into two pieces. Um, you know, the first was like training the brain. Like what you talk a lot about is uh, training decision-making and reactions and, and uh, um, all that part of the game that comes up. It's not just running a pick and roll, but making the right reads. And then the other side of that for me became training the mind was, or we did all this training and practice in an empty gym, but now when the lights come on, how do we make those uh, skills and all that training pay off uh, when the pressure is the highest? And I was working with a lot of guys who were, um, maybe short minute guys or into the rotation, uh, you know, guys who are trying to stick in the league and we needed an, another um, lever to pull. And, and what I found is most coaches were saying, well, he's either got it or he don't. And I wasn't satisfied with that. So there's gotta be a way to develop. I'm watching Steph Curry every night do just drop into these mind states that are allowing him to do nearly impossible things. No doubt there was a ton of practice leading into that, but then there's still a mindset that he can get into uh, or a mind state uh, that makes all that skills pay off when it mattered most. And that's what I became uh, really eager to learn and, and figure out how to develop that in players. Well, it's a great example. I mean, I've talked about this with people in terms of decision-making and I know you would approach it from the mindset perspective too, is like how much can Steph Curry improve at this point from a biomechanical standpoint? probably a little bit, but it's not that great. But how much can he improve from a mindset and from a decision-making standpoint? And that's where that next level is for most players, isn't it? Absolutely. And I think that's, that's where we miss the thing. Like, you know, I worked with guys in the pros who have spent thousands of hours training their skills. You know, another round of shooting could help, but there's, it's only going to help minimally. If you're going to make another like really big jump, you got to tap into these mindsets or mind, uh, mind states that, um, that can take you to another level. And we think about the NBA or we think about professional sports, even college sports, to, to be honest, as having resources. But one of the resources that doesn't seem to get allocated to is this performance mindset or this mental skills training. And a lot of staffs don't even have full-time strength or sorry, full-time uh, sports psychologists integrated in the programming. That's the big thing for me is the, the integration of those, um, those people, you know, we are uh, allocating uh, so many resources to the body and to the skill development, which is, which is great and, and is necessary um, but we're neglecting the, the state of the mind. We're, I guess we're leaving it up to chance. And like I said before, 
what bothered me is we're saying, oh, he's either got it or he don't. And I think that's a cop out for a coach or management who doesn't know or understand how to or that it can be developed and trained. And so we just leave it up to chance. And and some of the sometimes the players will just say, well, if I get enough experience, then I'll develop it. Well, I believe you can actively develop this uh, mindsets. Uh, so you're ready when your opportunity comes. Well, and, and that's part of your growth mindset, but it, it should be part of us as coaches for our growth mindset to think, yeah, I can improve someone's shot. We know that. Well, we can also improve their mind. And it's through a similar process of training. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, uh, I think uh, coaches who can understand that or, or learn how to do that will set themselves apart from uh, the rest of the competition. You're just going to get more out of your uh, out of your players and out of your team um, being able to dial this in. Well, and the other part that uh, is, is, is somewhat confusing to me is the expectation that coaches should be experts in this, right? We, we should have this expertise. We should have expertise in literally everything. And yeah, we can have some common knowledge and we can be pretty good in these areas, but really this is something at the highest level where we can have an expert involved, right? Definitely. You can have an expert involved that, that really makes a difference uh, for your program. And I think coaches get a little hesitant to have a, um, a psychologist come on board um, because of I, there's a little stigma there, but also just like uh, I'm afraid he'll do more harm than good um, or their ability to you know, connect on the, the basketball court or, or you know, a, a sports specific level. Um, and that's what I've uh, been excited to bring to the table is um, is a coach. You know, it's not just being a doctor and, and taking them to the uh, clinic and, and fixing them. It's um, fine tuning. It's developing. And it's part of the whole process, just like you develop your shot, just like you develop your defensive system, just like you develop your team chemistry. Well, let's develop our, our mind states as well. I love this. And we're going to unpack this for, for, you know, non-professional coaches as well, who may not have access to resources because there's tons of things that you can do within this as well. But uh, one of the, one of the areas, and and we're going to, we're not going to go through every mindset necessarily. So coaches go to championship.com or uh, catching confetti, uh, which you co-authored with Chris McAllister, which is available on Amazon. And you can see a list of all the different mindsets, but maybe just to start with, let's referring to the mindsets, talk about, do we need all seven to be successful? Well, I think uh, the world-class performers uh, are going to develop all seven. Like if you're pushing yourself to the edge ability, if you're looking for this optimal state, this like Steph Curry flow state, uh, it's going to be a cocktail of all seven. It's going to be a mix of all seven. I think uh, there's like foundational ones that everything else is built on. And it's where we start with all of our programming with catching confetti and at championship is this ability to separate uh, who you are from the results of your competition or the results of your performance and to separate who you are from the, uh, the community or relationships you have. I think the, the mistake most of us make, and this is the beginning of, a, of, the, of most of the faulty mindsets that we run into, is this intertwining of uh, my results or my performance define who I am or my uh, association with this team or this community or these relationships define who I am. And when you get your identity, who you are tied up in your mission and your community, um, it sets you up for, um, for a lot of, um, I guess you set yourself up on shaky ground. I think when this foundation is weak, you're not going to be able to handle life's stress and pressure appropriately. And so uh, for us, this is the starting point of everything we teach, separate who you are from what you do and who you are in relationship with. So I've talked about this for years with players is this concept of, I don't want you to play at hundred percent. I don't want you to play at 110%. I want you to play at, for some players, 80%, some players, 70, some players, 90, because what you refer to, and I love this terminology and I'm going to adopt it now is relaxed intensity. Can you talk about that as the ultimate goal? Relaxed intensity is like the ultimate mindset. And this is where all the seven mindsets will lead to. Um, But I think this is our best 
uh, performance state. It's, we call it relaxed intensity. So it's intensity of focus, not in like a stressed, furrowed eyebrow, you know, I'm going to control everything, but it's a fully immersed in the moment, fully uh, saturated with all of the sensations that are going on uh, around you. You're a heightened attention and heightened awareness. And so it's an intensity of focus, uh, removal of distractions, but then it's a relaxed presence. So it's a non-anxious presence. I'm not coming in here to prove my worth or my, my belonging to you. Uh, I'm not going to um, pull away or hide from the moment uh, out of nervousness or anxiousness. I'm going to be relaxed. Uh, I show up to impact, not impress. Show up to give, not get. And, and if you're in this moment of nothing to prove, nothing to hide, um, I'm here, fully present, fully engaged, and uh, fully focused to absorb all the incoming information. It's where you're going to perform at your best. So I love this, and I love how you frame that. And uh, w- w- let's clarify for everyone that stress is necessary for focus. We don't want to remove stress, right? Because a certain amount of stress, or what I've referred to as just enough anxiety, which comes from a book by uh, Robert uh, Robert Rosen. But that is necessary, right? This anxiety part of it? For sure. And uh, I think about it like swimming. Like we don't want so much stress that we're drowning and we're just trying to keep our, uh, you know, face above water. Uh, in, that, in that environment, we're going to start doing anything we can to survive. And we're going to build a lot of unhealthy habits in our life and in our character. Um, but we also don't want to just be standing on solid ground. Like, we want to be out there swimming a little bit. Like it needs a, it needs a, um, to force us to adapt and and to focus and um, you know the stress. When we talk about the intensity of focus, the stress heightens your awareness. It it brings you. It says, all right, there's something really important going on here, and it needs my focus. I can't be distracted by other things. So the stress does take you into that uh, into that mindset. So the other thing, like when we talk about mindset or we throw out these different words like mental toughness, et cetera, we often think about them as this thing, single thing, this one word that defines everything. But what I love and why coaches should check out what you've done here is that you break it down. And can you talk about why that's so important for players to be able to break it down and explain to them what exactly is mindset? Yeah, I, I guess um, for me, it's, it's making it a part of your development of the player. You know, like I've said a couple of times, I think we fall into this um, cop out that hey, you either got it or you don't. And then we tell them, hey, you got to have mental toughness or you can't survive. We never tell them how to get there or we never help them get there. Um, we just say you got it or you don't. Or we list a, like a bunch of qualities that mental tough people have and say, you got to have these or you're not going to make it. You know, when I received those things, uh, in, in a way, it was discouraging to me because some of them never, didn't necessarily fit my personality. Um, some of them, uh, you know, I, I noticed I didn't have, and now I realized, well, crap, I'm not going to make it. So it was more discouraging than helpful. Uh, and so I think f- showing them a pathway, um, giving them some exercises or or strategies to take to develop this in themselves is the way to go rather than saying you got to have this or you're not going to be a champion. Yeah. And again, that's very limiting, right? To think about that as just a one entity, but when you break it down into parts for athletes, they seem to be able to manage it. Like it's again, you don't have to improve all of your shooting technique at once. We can focus on just this one thing. Let's just focus on your follow through. So yeah. I'm imagining with this, are you talking about progressive development of these different areas for certain players? It's definitely a, a progression. I think um, you start where they're at. And um, that's one thing that we've done with our programming is, is it's not a, uh, a template that you have to fit onto your, uh, you know, you have to fit into. It's more of a, um, a map that customizes and fits onto your life. So it meets, meets you where you're at or, where your past experiences. That's one thing we don't take into account with um, mental training or mental toughness is our past experiences have shaped us. They shape who we become. They shape 
our reactions. And uh, when you get really deep into this, we can go back and revisit some of those past experiences that may have uh, introduced a, a narrative in our brain that is causing us to cave under pressure or it's causing us to not be as tough as uh, we want to be um, or causes us to lose focus in tense situations. Uh, and so being able to revisit those experiences and, and meet you where you're at and, and speak to those uh, and grow from there. Take a brief moment to interrupt this podcast to share some information from one of our show supporters. As sports keep coming back, so does your chance to bet on them with our exclusive wagering partner, betonline.ag. Major League Baseball will soon be in full swing, and there are no shortage of ways to get in on the action. BetOnline has all the odds, futures, and props for you to be on. Also tune in as Floyd Money Mayweather Weather joins BetOnline team in a new segment called The Ice is Right, where he talks about his expansive jewelry collection. He'll give you the chance to win some great prizes and bet on the cost of his bling. Visit betonline.ag today to check out all the odds and up-to-date sports news. Don't forget to sign up and take advantage of all the Welcome Back to Sports bonuses. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Now back to the podcast. So take us through maybe one of the mindsets and just give us an example, maybe what it is, and then how we would work to develop it within a player. If you can give us kind of an example just of how you would practically apply one of the mindset training. Sure. Um, so like I said, we started with uh, everything we teach starts with the resilient mindset, which is separating who you are from what you do and who you are in relationship with. Um, and then that builds into the relaxed mindset, um, which is uh, uh, showing up with a non-anxious presence, right? You have nothing to prove, nothing to hide. And um, I think a, a big starting point for coaches to work towards this is to um, to not in your communication with your team in your in your language and, and how you build your culture uh, we're not putting an overemphasis on the results we're focusing more on the process so uh, in the visionary mindset we talk about uh, goal setting and instead of setting so many achievement goals, we're going to talk about setting being goals. Who do you want to become? Uh, in college, uh, uh, my freshman year, we wrote out our team goals, and one of them was uh, we want to be undefeated at home. Well, our coach saw our goals, and he asked, what happens if we lose our first game at home? Are we going to quit? Are we going to uh, cancel the rest of the games? Are we going to forfeit? Like, so changing our mindset around our goals to – who do we want to become? All right, we wanted to become a championship level team. Well, to do that, we had to be ready to play every night or uh, we had to be able to compete um, in, in any circumstance. And so it changed our mindset from, all right, we're defined by our results, our performance, rather instead, uh, let's shape our thinking and our approach around who do we want to become and what's the process to get there? And I think that's a uh, that's an easy starting point that that shows up in all seven of the mindsets a a focus on a who you're becoming and b on the process um, getting there over just a focus on the results and your performance. Well, I like that, especially you're not creating something unrealistic for them, uh, which is a big part of this, right? That this is achievable. You can you can improve these things, and you've already talked about that in terms of these things. Another curious question for me is: Do you look to rely specifically on, say, one of the mindsets that they are strongest at, or do you concentrate more on the ones they're weaker at when developing? Yeah, I think it's it's going to be both and, right? There's going to be a um, they're going to be stronger in some areas or another, mainly because of past experiences. Right. Um, and then they're going to be weaker. If you're only focusing on where you're weak, uh, then it's going to get discouraging and, and laborious and um, it's, it's going to wear you down. Right. So being able to recognize where I'm strong, highlight that, but also giving a, yourself or giving their players space to, um, live in that place where they're weak so they can develop it. 
I think what happens is once we find out where we're good and where we're not, we're going to spend all of our energy and all of our focus on where we're good. Uh, or we're going to say, this is the most important thing. And of course, it's going to be the most important thing to you because you're good at it. But you can develop all the, all the different mindsets and, and um, improve the ones you're not good at, but still uh, lean on and use the things that you're really good at um, to all, everything come together. And, it, and it, all, it all intertwines, like they all build on each other and, and help each other. I think you can build bridges between what you're good at and what you're not so good at to improve what you're not so good at. And, and similar to that, then, is there a way to play to your mindset strengths in a game or in a moment? And if so, can you give us an example? Yeah, this is, uh, this is what we talk about in the Victor mindset is, is figuring out how to um, flip obstacles into opportunities, but turn your disadvantages into advantages and, uh, and turn things back to your strengths. Um, here's the, the trick with this one is you don't want to do it in a forceful way, right? Remember, relaxed intensity is the optimal mindset. Uh, so we don't want to force our will onto the situation. We're not trying to micromanage. We're not trying to, to grab hold of it and control it. But think of like a martial artist who is using uh, um, body weight and, and leverage to, its, to his advantage. Right? We're going to... Um, take the game, whatever comes up, and turn it to our advantage. We're going to uh, take the hardships we're experiencing or the negative uh, things, all right, so we lose a big game. Well, how can we flip that into a positive that moves us forward? All right, uh, the, the, other t the other opponent uh, goes on a run or finds a, a play or an action that's just killing us. Well, how can we use that and flip it to our advantage? Um, and so that's where you, you start uh, figuring out how to turn your weaknesses into strengths. So from a physical standpoint, I've argued this to players and parents, et cetera, that the most skilled players are the most confident because they have the most solutions available to them. And applying this to what you're talking about, it's really hard to get to a lot of these levels of mindset without a certain degree of skill to go with it. Is that correct? Yeah, and uh, a, a certain level of practice. Yeah, I think that's where you're going to find uh, um, the faulty mindset, or or I, I struggle to say the weak mindset, but the mindset that will will give in under uh, uh, maybe shallower levels of stress is the one that's not been trained or or practiced and, and prepared for that. Um, and uh, and so you talked about um, you know having more skill makes you more confident. Well, if you're not going to be confident in your ability to endure all circumstances or play in any environment uh, or um, uh, play in within any conditions, then you're going to be uh, stressed to force the, the conditions to your, to how you need them to be, to perform well. We say this, the beginner just seeks validation. The pro needs optimal conditions to perform. The master can perform in any uh, conditions. And so an amount of practice and skill building that you do on your mindset can move you to master level where regardless of the conditions, I'll be able to find my optimal performance state. Love that. Great way of framing it uh, to see that kind of progression from say beginner to master. And the part that goes with that then, I guess when we're talking about a coach and I'm working with players on developing technique and tactics and then mindset, do, do we blend them all together in terms of we've talked about integration or is it best to be able to present mindset as a separate entity before we integrate it? It's, it's definitely all encompassing. Um, I think the, the most success I found is uh, when I was working with players with the Phoenix Suns in a development role um, to work with them on the court uh, and then also work with them just like in a one-on-one -on -one setting off, off the court. And then when we get on the court saying, hey, this is what we talked about in our session yesterday off the court. And now they can start seeing it come up, you know, it's you're you're making them aware of 
where these mindsets might be faulty for them in their performance. So it's not just a classroom setting or a clinical setting, but you're going onto the court and you're saying, you know, Hey, you missed three shots in a row and now you're flipping out and that turned into five shots in a row and then seven shots in a row. Like this is the mindset we were just talking about. And so we can stop the session. We can, uh, um, I guess, intercede with, uh, some skills or things that we've been working on off the court. And it starts training it into their performance where they're going to be able to do it on their own in a game. Um, so I think it's a, an all encompassing thing because you're going to be able to connect dots, uh, from the, you know, the one-on-one clinical setting to also what you're doing in the weight room to what you're doing on the court. And it's all going to work hand in hand. So the, the part that I think goes with all of this too is, and I think it's often lost or maybe misunderstood is that flow is not just a game state. It should be something that we try and achieve in practice as well, right? Because ultimately, if we can achieve it in practice and we can replicate it, we're more likely to do that in games too. Can you talk about the importance of that in practice? For sure. I mean, flow is a life state for me. I think you're going to find it in the in the highest uh, pressure uh, situations of a game. You're going to find find it in the simplest moments at home. Uh, sitting by the pool with your spouse, like it's going to be found everywhere. And I think um, what research has shown, there's a great book on this um, called the rise of Superman. It gets a little uh, sciencey, but they studied action adventure athletes. And they said, why did they make, they've noticed that ad, action adventure athletes, these are like surfers and, and downhill skiers. And why are they, uh, breaking records at astronomical rates compared to any other sport. It's because they train in flow. And when you train in flow, your brain is going to wire around these experiences. It's going to accelerate what you learn. Um, and, And so the practice setting of being able to get into flow state while you practice is just going to accelerate your learning. I think we're all uh, experiencing um, situations now where our training camps, or our preseason is getting cut, uh, where we don't have our team all together as much. We're going to have to learn how to um, connect and, and get better in a hurry. And to be able to practice in a mind state of flow is going to just accelerate that learning. So can you replicate the conditions for building flow mindset? Can you replicate those conditions like in practice to be able to help with what you're talking about? For sure. I think uh, one important distinction is, is flow can't necessarily be um, grabbed. Uh, you're not going to achieve flow. You're going to receive flow. Uh, but what you can do is, is create the conditions that get there, right? Uh, increase the stress high enough that gets everybody's focus and attention in the moment, right? Also create an environment where um, that is safe for the safe in a way uh, for them to explore maybe vulnerabilities or where they're weak, Um, that they can come in and relax, be relaxed. They don't have to prove anything. They don't have to hide from the moment, Um, but it's, it's safe enough for them to dive in and experiment and, and try. Um, um, but then there's also enough, uh, consequences that it matters and it brings their focus to the moment. It can't just be haphazard. Um, so I think if you can create that balance of a safe environment that allows them to be vulnerable, uh, to try new things, but also uh, stressful enough that it brings their full attention to it, that there's, that it matters. Uh, you're going to, you're going to be able to tap into some flow states there. So uh, psychological safety, I, I just want to kind of reemphasize and talk about that because this, this comes through in a lot of literature, the importance of psychological safety in terms of what you say, which I love the terminology, receiving flow. Can, can you talk about different ways coaches can create this psychological safety? Yeah, it's, it's really important. Um, and I think a lot of it happens in, in your culture, just your communication and your presence as a coach. Um, you know, I worked with a, a player in Phoenix uh, who was um, 
terrified of making a mistake. He, he believed in his mind that if I'm seen being coached or I'm seen making mistakes, that means I'm not good enough. I don't belong on the team. Uh, my performance isn't validating me. And he'd constantly look over his shoulder. And what was crazy about this coach is he was scared of flow. There were moments when he would, uh, he would get it in a shooting uh, drill or something we'd do. He'd hit flow, but then he'd find a way to get out of it. He'd fix his contact or tie his shoe or take a break. And uh, he was scared of it because of the, the vulnerability of losing himself in the moment. Um, and I think what coaches can do is, is the, the communication within your team and the challenge that I've faced is, is addressing this with players because players will, uh, you know, harass or that's a hard word, but harass their teammates for making mistakes or some of their weaknesses. And now the player wants to cover up and, and not drift into those scenarios uh, to protect themselves, right? Because they want to belong. They want to fit in and they want to be validated. They want to know they're doing a good enough job. And so trying to cut off that communication with your players, that it's an encouraging environment, that we're all here to grow. We're all here to um, experiment and learn and, and try new things. Um, so we want you to be in places that you might fail. Um, and then in your communication as a coach, to, to know that your players and you are obsessed with two things. Do I belong? And am I doing a good job? And they're, they're constantly looking for validation for those two things. So if you can say and make them experience or feel that uh, I belong, even though I messed up, um, I'm good enough, even though I'm not good at this particular skill yet. Uh, if you can calm those anxieties, you're going to find uh, um, you're going to help them usher into uh, a relaxed mindset. That's gold, coach. Hopefully coaches will write that down and reflect on it every practice, whether they they offered that for their their players and their athletes. And uh, a lot of this comes back to me, too, is a, a lot of Eastern philosophy and study of that and the difference between kind of our North American mindset of I will make it happen versus I will let it happen. Mm -hmm. And you talked about receiving and it just struck me kind of in reflecting on some of the things that I've read and studied through Eastern philosophy about this this ability for me as a player to be able to let it happen. And that it's coming back to that relaxed intensity, right? For sure. And there's a little bit of a distinction there. Like uh, I'm not going to be a victim and just let, you know, bad things happen to me, but I am going to cooperate with what's unfolding in front of me. And I'm going to cooperate in a way that um, I can meet the moment where it's at with what it needs and with what I have. And uh, I'm not going to force my will onto the, the situation. I'm not going to try to control it, micromanage it. That just leads to frustration. You can't do anything well frustrated. So being able to receive uh, all the information and be able to tap into all of your skills and your solutions uh, and be able to meet the moment where it's at, um, you're going to be able to thrive in any conditions. Right. And that's great. I'm glad you made that distinction because that's not to discount the importance of work and effort and development and those different things that go with that. Because again, ultimately all of this involves in the absence of effort, none of this matters. For sure. And it's, it is, uh, it definitely takes work. Uh, um, it, it takes, um, it takes practice. You're going to fail. You're going to try again. Uh, then you're going to succeed and then you're going to fail again. Uh, so you're going to constantly be growing and being shaped by the experiences, but uh, how you interpret those experiences and, and how you respond to those experiences make all the difference. Well, and, and the parallel to physical skill development, it's the same for mental skill development or mindset development, right? You're going to go through this process of, you know, it's not, it's not straight up. It's this looping curve of development that goes with learning. For sure. We're, if you're pushing yourself to the edge of your abilities, you're always going to find uh, places that you're weak at or that you're always going to run into places where you might fail. Um, the, the starting point for me is resilient mindset. Uh, you might fail, but you are not a failure. Uh, Kobe Bryant described losing as exciting. 
because it showed him places that uh, he could get better. LeBron James credited the 2011, I believe it was, uh, playoffs or finals with the Dallas Mavericks for making him a better player. And if you're constantly pushing yourself to the edges of your abilities, then you're going to find places you're weak. And I like to say maturity is not that you never fail or maturity is not that you never get knocked off balance. Maturity is how quickly do you recognize it and how is your ability to recenter? How is your ability to get back on balance, to get back on track, to, to refine flow? Um, we are going to get interrupted. We are going to get um, knocked off balance. But the mind, the strength of the mindset is to be able to flip it um, back into flow state. A lot of things to, to unpack with what you just said. So maybe let's, I, I want to dive deeper into kind of one of the mindsets and, and maybe I'll do with resilient. But uh, can you give us first, because you mentioned this, some refocusing strategies? Because as you said, we'll get knocked off our path. So what are some things to refocus? Yeah, um, this is, uh, this is uh, I think it's an underdeveloped, uh, maybe the most underdeveloped skill for athletes and for coaches. But um, the ability to recognize when you've been disrupted maybe understand why you were disrupted or what's causing it and then to recenter, to refocus. Um, and, and this is where all the mindsets build on each other um, to the focused mindset. Um, and, and, and in our programming and what we do when we work with people is, is give them some um, really powerful strategies to uh, use their imagination and use meditation techniques to refocus. There's also a way you could do it on the fly to notice uh, I, the ref made a bad call or he missed a call on me. And it gets me super frustrated and I, I power up and I want to just make a bad decision after this just to prove that he was wrong. Or it makes me want to quit, withdraw, hide. I'm just going to sub myself out. I'm, I'm done. I give up. Um, but then to notice that and say, I'm not defined by the results. I'm not defined by uh, my community uh, um, to recenter after that and say, uh, this was just a moment in time. Uh, it was an experience that I can learn to flip into my uh, advantage and to, to refocus, to recenter. But noticing when you're powering up and proving when you're withdrawing and hiding is, uh, um, is a powerful skill and, and antenna to tune into. Tremendous, tremendous big time skill to be able to develop for all players at all levels. This is especially young players, right? This mentality of being able to, 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 to park things or, you know, throw them away and move on and be in the present and the, that type of thing. Coach, I'm wondering uh, the role of the coach first in developing mindset. What's the role of the coach? Well, for me, the role of the coach is you're developing a, a person. Your players aren't, chess pieces to win your game, right? Your players uh, in your, are not there to perform well so you can be validated. You're there to serve them, not the other way around. And so the first uh, role for the coach for me is understand you're developing people, not just basketball players. Um, and so it needs a, a holistic approach to that not just shooting, not just defense, not just tactical skills, um, but their minds and their bodies uh, and and developing them as people and their emotions and their character. Um, And then the second thing is uh, for me is be a practitioner. You can't give what you don't have. And so to develop this in yourself is you will be able to overflow it and and share it with your players uh, and, and lead them in that. And then the second place is to create, or the, I guess the third piece of that is to create an environment that is, uh, is safe and open and encouraging for this sort of development, to express vulnerability, um, to uh, um, wade into places where you feel weak or you're not fully developed yet, um, and that to offer, I guess, encouragement, guidance, a, we are here to help you 
through this part of your development. I think those are the three things that stick out to me as the role of the coach in, in development mindset. And then with that, then what responsibility falls to the player? Well, the player, you know, ideally you have players who are, um, you know, open and engaged and willing to, uh, to accept it and to, to work on their own growth. Um, the, the, the difficult part of this is most of our players are, you know, under the age of 22 and, uh, and not um, fully developed in a sense that they understand the value of these, um, that these, these different techniques and, and skills to develop. Um, and so an open for the player, an openness to, to be coached, to be led, um, but also um, take ownership of your own growth as a person. Um, you know, don't just leave it up to chance. Don't just say, well, I'll develop it, uh, you know, when I'm 30, you know, give me enough years playing and, and I'll get better at it. Well, take ownership that your experiences uh, are there to shape you. They don't define you. And you can grow from each of those experiences, but they're going to make you better or worse. So you have to take on the, the, the intention that these experiences are going to make me better, not worse. So from your experiences, let's say, you know, working with, with some of the professional players you've worked with, because that's mainly been your group, yeah. ha, what are some of the challenges? What are some of the biggest challenges that coaches have to overcome to be able to help build mindsets in players? Yeah, the first uh, that comes up for me is uh, is breaking through the bravado. Uh, um, they all want to, in my experience, most players and competitors, really, is coaches and players, uh, they want to um, prove how much, how strong they are, how tough they are. Uh, they want to be impenetrable. And so um, I think... In, in my experience, you have to coach through the bravado, understanding that uh, um, everything that they try and to protect and, and show out is just coming from insecurity. And so being patient with that and, and not judging them or labeling them one way or the other, but knowing that, um, that this, where he's trying to prove or, or, or show out or overproject is um, just a place that he feels insecure. And so I'm going to make him feel safe in that and, uh, and, and accepted in that. And I'm going to kind of, I say, coach through the bravado. Yeah, no question. That's got to be a big part of it. And then, as I mentioned, I kind of want to dig into one of them. Maybe let's, uh, let's do resilient. Uh, that's the first mindset. So yeah. you talk of separating your identity from your mission and from your community. Why is this so important and what are some of the key ways to do this? Well, sure. If you, so uh, first, when we talk about identity, um, we see identity, what, what's happening now in, in culture and in our, in our society is identity is, you know, we take one marker about who we are, whatever that marker is, you know, our, our sport, our uh, race or sexuality, um, whatever title we have, we take one marker of who we are and we make it all of who we are. Well, identity is more than any one marker in the way we talk about it. Um, and so when you, uh, um, when you s tie your identity into your mission and your community, right, when who you are is defined by what you do, you're, you're building a, a shaky foundation. Right? What you need is the performance or the results to go a certain way so I can be validated. Or you need relationships to... Um, so I know I'm accepted and belong. We're looking for worth in these wrong places. What we want to do is we want to flip the filter and we view life through a secure identity first. So who I am is sec I'm secure in who I am. I can overflow into mission, mission being the roles that we fill. Uh, I'm a coach. Uh, I'm a player. Uh, I'm a husband, wife, father. Um, and then, uh, that builds and attracts healthy community or healthy relationships and the community being 
uh, the team we're a part of or the groups that we're looking for acceptance in um, and, and the relationships we have. And so uh, if you flip that on its head now, anytime, whatever happens in mission, whatever happens with my results or my performance, who I am is not threatened. And so I can uh, show up to give, not get, I can show up to impact, not impress. Um, and, and I can endure all the circumstances. When things fail in my mission, when things fall apart in my community, who I am is still solid. So now I can still show up and I can solve problems. I can mend relationships. Um, I can still give uh, uh, rather than try to take from those. Take a brief moment to interrupt this podcast to share some information from one of our show supporters. As sports keep coming back, so does your chance to bet on them with our exclusive wagering partner, betonline.ag. Major League Baseball will soon be in full swing, and there are no shortage of ways to get in on the action. BetOnline has all the odds, futures, and props for you to be on. Also tune in as Floyd Money Mayweather Weather joins BetOnline team in a new segment called The Ice is Right, where he talks about his expansive jewelry collection. He'll give you the chance to win some great prizes and bet on the cost of his bling. Visit betonline.ag today to check out all the odds and up-to-date sports news. Don't forget to sign up and take advantage of all the welcome back to sports bonuses. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Hey coaches, brief interruption from our podcast to hear from Manscaped.com. 2020 has been the year of things happening that are completely out of your control, but there is one thing that you can control, and that's shaving your bush. You may be surprised how many coaches have already DM'd me about this special offer. I wasn't, because I'm a user, and Manscaped.com is definitely worth it. Our sponsors at Manscaped are here to remind you to do so. The Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 is a premium electric trimmer that's designed to give you a confidence boost through body image. Their ceramic blade and skin safe technology are designed to reduce nicks and tugs on your fellows down low. The Lawnmower 3.0 is also waterproof and comes with an LED light so you can manscape in the shower, in the dark, or in a dark shower, whatever floats your boat. Go to manscaped.com and check out some of these life-changing products. In fact, listeners of this show will get 20% off plus free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code armchair. It's time to grab 2020 by the horns by shaving that front trunk. Now back to the podcast. So another part of resilient, which again is, is often, maybe we think about sports psych is just positive all these positive affirmations and these positive visualizations but one of the parts that always connected with me that i thought was the most important and you talk about is the worst possible outcomes the what if scenarios can you talk about the importance of dealing with the what if scenarios when it comes to resilience i'm so glad you asked about this uh because um we all can agree that we will face adversity and then we can all agree that overcoming adversity will make us better. Well, why do we not prepare to handle adversity well? Most of our sports psychology or our, met, our, our visualization is around the perfect routine, right? The gold medal moment, the podium on the cut down the nets. We see everything going well, but we know and there's a time and place for that, right? There is value in that. But when you're talking about developing a resilient mindset in a, in a practice setting or in a preparation, why are we not preparing ourselves for facing adversity and how we're going to respond to it? So uh, what we do in our program is we tell you, let's imagine the worst possible outcome for what could happen in your mission or your community. You lose the game. Uh, you miss the winning shot you make a bad substitution, you get fired, um, you know, your partner leaves you. Like, what is the worst possible scenario that could come up? And then look in the mirror, who are you? And you could do the opposite true too. You can look at the positives and say, okay, uh, we won the game, we won the championship, I got inducted to the Hall of Fame. Um, you know, my community, I was, 
my community celebrated me by retiring my jersey, whatever that might be. Now look in the mirror and say, who are you? And if the ending uh, images of those two scenarios that look in the mirror moment are drastically different, it's a clue that who you are is wrapped up in your mission and your community. And you're not going to be able to perform well under pressure because when you, I, I believe this, the, the athletes and coaches who can perform well under pressure don't feel the pressure. Not because it's this like superhuman uh, ability, but it's this understanding that who I am is not defined by what I do. And, um, and so if you can, you can go into the moment and say, uh, this moment does not carry the weight to crush me. <laughs> you're going to be able to compete and, and perform freely. <laughs> I think uh, Kobe Bryant tells the, the, the story of uh, being in the uh, Philadelphia Summer League as a kid, his first year in the, in the league, and he didn't score a single point. Not a lucky bounce, not a free throw, not a breakaway layup, nothing. He didn't score a single point. And his dad came over and said, whether you score zero or 60, I love you. What he got was affirmation in who he was. I still belong. Uh, I'm still worthy. And he said this. He said, it gave me all the confidence in the world to fail. I can go and fight with no fear. I can go compete uh, with, with no fear because who I am is not riding on this moment. And it opens you up to, well, that's the foundation. That's the beginning point towards relaxed intensity. So I, I just want to share this as a, as a support to this is that conversations with my daughter, like this traditional, you know, how did the game go or how was school and all that, that doesn't generate nearly the conversation I want to have with them. Mm. And what I went to is what was challenging for you? Mm. What was challenging for you today? What in, in a specific class, sometimes I'll ask or, you know, something they were doing and that I found has generated the best conversations. And to me, it supports what you're saying in terms of the value of helping them grow. It gives, gives you a, a great opportunity to say, I love you regardless of how you did. Absolutely. <laughs> regardless of your performance. I'm here for your growth and your development. And I love you no matter how you do in your performance. Well, what it leads to for me is this question of saying, are, are we trying to control fear or are we trying to normalize fear? Mm. Yeah. I, um, for me, it's a uh, sports psychologist or anybody really says you got to be comfortable being uncomfortable, right? That was always hard for me because uncomfortable never feels comfortable. Like it's always uncomfortable. But building a habit of leaning into where you feel afraid will set you on the path to growth. And, and knowing it's going to be uncomfortable, uh, I'm going to be f afraid, but where I'm afraid is likely showing me where the next place I can grow is. And so building a habit of leaning into those places, saying this is where I'm afraid, I should probably go that way. Um, uh, because it's, especially if it's a fear of some sort of vulnerability, obviously there's legitimate fears like, you know, don't walk outside in a tornado, but <laughs> um, okay. But being able to lean into the, the fears of where you might feel vulnerable is showing you, it's giving you the pathway to where you can grow next. So I love this because, again, this is counterintuitive to how many of us were brought up in sport and this concept of don't deny your emotions and don't be dominated by them. But the reality is we want to be vulnerable at the same time. We don't let them overcome us. Exactly. Exactly. I think we're, we're taught two different lies. We're taught you know, wear your emotions on your sleeve. If you feel it, do it, you know, act on it. Or we're saying emotions make you weak. Don't show any emotion. And, and neither one of these two is true. It's, it's the, the, the healthy places in the middle. I'm aware of my emotions because they are informing me. Emotions are the communication tool of the subconscious to the conscious mind. So I'm aware of them. I'm paying attention to them because they're informing me about um, what I'm experiencing and where I can grow. Uh, so I don't have to act on them, but I'm going to be aware of my emotions and I'm going to learn from them uh, and, and then help them guide uh, my next steps. 
So you, you talk about how a coach has a responsibility to understand the fears and desires of each of their players, each of their athletes. What are the, some of the ways you go about that then? Like, is it scheduled meetings with an agenda? Is an intentional engagement on and off the floor? What are some ways that you do that? Yeah, I've never been a huge fan of, of meetings. I think they get sterile and, and, and they get forced. But Agreed. constant engagement, constant, uh, uh, constant communication, and constant um, observing. I think the leader is not the smartest person in the world in the room. The leader is the most aware person in the room. And so if you can constantly be aware and, and like I said, first, it's, it's helpful if, if you're a practitioner, if you see this in yourself first, uh, then you can see it in others very easily. And so we talk about proving and hiding where are you over projecting, where are you over protecting to, uh, to, to comfort or protect your identity. Um, and if you notice this in yourself, you're going to start to see your players uh, project out and proving and hiding. You're going to see where they feel afraid. And then you're going to know what's going on under the surface. You know, if you don't have this uh, understanding of what's happening on the surface, all you see them is, is being defiant or you see uh, you know, selfishness, you see laziness. But if you can understand what's happening below the surface, then you can say, all right, he's not selfish. He just fears this. And I need to comfort this fear. He's not being defiant. He just wants to be seen, known, and heard for this. And I need to help give him an experience for that. Uh, and so for a coach to, to become the most aware person in the room, emotionally aware person in the room, um, goes a long way. I love this stuff. This is, this is so fun to talk about. And, uh, and there's some more things that I want to get to. But maybe just as, as now a coach is thinking about that, and thinking about a player along this journey, this mm -hmm. process of developing mindset, are, are there goals along the way for players or are there ways that you as a coach or as a player can recognize that you're moving in the right direction? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, what we talked about earlier being, uh, you know, maturity is uh, um, not that you never get knocked off balance, but how quickly can you recenter and get back on balance? Um, I think the progression is, you're probably going to notice where you got knocked off balance in retrospect. So at the end of the day, you're going to look back and say, oh man, I caught myself proving and hiding here. Or, uh, I, you know, I avoided a place I felt vulnerable there. Um, and then what you're going to start to do is, is see it in the moment. You're going to notice yourself, the moment's going to slow down. You're going to notice yourself doing it in the moment and be able to adjust. And then the, what's, then what's going to happen is you're going to preempt it. You're going to see that it could come. Like you're going to see that it's about to happen and you're going to be able to preempt it and flip it to your advantage. This is where we talked about turning your weaknesses into strengths or disadvantages into advantages. Uh, you're going to uh, see, all right, this moment is about to cause some anxiety, uh, stress or insecurity for me. And how can I flip it so I can still show up fully present, fully engaged and give, not get from the moment? So I'm glad you said notice, because that's the number one thing that I think coaches miss out on in terms of physical development as well, is that we have to notice it. We have to notice the progress. We have to point it out because once a player, again, feels that they've got to a certain achievement, whether it's a mindset achievement or a physical achievement that allows them to be able to push to that next level, right? This type, type of reaching process that's important for learning. Yeah, for sure. Noticing where you're growing, like uh, awareness of where you want to get to, and then um, noticing that, hey, I have improved and, and being able to celebrate that, like, you know, give yourself all of that encouragement and affirmation that you can get. Um, and then notice that, all right, here's the next level, right? I used to be able to track my growth. It's all right. This is Brett version 3.0. <laughs> Brett version 2.0 would have done that. Brett version 3.0 is doing this. Now, what is Brett version 4.0 going to look like? And then moving towards that. And then also recognizing, well, that was Brett 2.0, right? I need to, I need to uh, come back to Brett 3.0 so I can move forward to Brett 4.0. <laughs> Another phrasing that I really like is competition versus comparison. Can you talk about this? Yeah, uh, competition versus comparison. Um, you know, I think uh, comparison has uh, um, 
comparison has the ability to degrade us. <laughs> we're, we're constantly measuring ourselves against somebody else. Um, but I think competition has the ability to grow us. Um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to provide that stress that we need uh, to find uh, relaxed intensity. Um, it's also going to show us where we're weak. Um, but if we're constantly comparing, then uh, um, we're not going to live out of our unique skills, abilities, experiences. Um, I use a, a story in the book where I was uh, uh, doing conditioning in, in basketball and I always won all the races, but uh, my senior year, we uh, recruited a freshman player who was a state high school cross country champ. And everyone said, oh, you're going to lose. You're going to lose. This is, you know, your reign of winning all the conditioning races is over. And we got out to the mile run and, you know, comparison would have been, all right, I got to train just like he does. Uh, I got to run the race just like he does. Um, I got to do everything like he does. Uh, I'm going to judge my time based on his time. Competition, knowing, all right, I have a, a, a huge obstacle out in front of me. How can I find my best training techniques? How can I find my best approach, my best running strategy to win the race? And it turns out the, the, the real joy in the whole thing wasn't conquering him. It wasn't beating him, but it was, I ran the fastest mile time of my life. And so when we set out to try to conquer others, I think it, uh, it deforms us on the process. If we're trying to set out to, I'm going to be the best I can be, uh, then we're, we're talking about um, growing and, and finding our best self not in a place that's comparing ourselves to others. Coach, as we start to wrap this up, maybe uh, a question uh, for all of us is, is kind of in this self-reflection realm, but uh, what do you try to recognize in yourself that lets you know you're at that point where you're not quite there, but you're almost there in terms of this mindset? Is there a place before flow that helps us know we're on the right path? Uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting uh, and it's not fun, but flow follows struggle. Mm -hmm. And I think when I've hit a point of resistance or a point that I've struggled, a point that I'm ready to give up, um, what I remind myself is flow is on the other side of that. I say this, uh, on the other side of your struggle is a beautiful breakthrough, but you have to keep going to experience it. And so, um, I think we see this, uh, there's examples all over sports, um, but it's going to happen right after the moment you're in struggle. <laughs> the struggle is going to bring the stress, heighten your focus, heighten your awareness. Um, you're going to, once you get to the end of your rope, <laughs> keep going. Because on the other side of that is the breakthrough. It's the, it's the new understanding. It's the upgrade. It's the, the clarity and the awareness that you need um, to, to succeed and to, to make all that pay off. So, um, that's the encouragement for me is, is when I feel the struggle, keep going. Cause on the other side of that, it's the breakthrough. Tremendous advice. And, uh, coach, I love all this. This is so, so cool to have this discussion and talk to a basketball coach about this as well. Because I think, again, this is the next frontier, uh, for, for coaching staffs is to have people like you on that coaching staff, because you can integrate these ideas and help a coach not be afraid of these things and help kind of this synergy back and forth between the technical, tactical, and the, and the mindset as you frame it. Yeah, I believe that. I believe uh, um, that is the next frontier. Um, and it's not just in a clinical setting. Uh, it's not a, an outside contractor, but it's, a, it's um, someone who, who has skin in the game, who knows uh, um, the ebbs and flows of the season, who, who knows the wins and losses and the pressures um, and knows how an athlete develops on the court, in the weight room, but also, uh, also mentally and, and with his mindset. So champion shift and uh, catching confetti, developing the mindset of a champion, the books available on Amazon, but all of it we can get on championshipshift.com, your website, but talk about how all these things came together then. Yeah. Um, you know, championshift.com is, uh, is where we do all of our work, helping you shift the way you think. So you transform the way you live. Uh, and then our, our, the newest product we came out with this weekend, uh, this, this summer, I guess is, uh, catching confetti. It's the book about the seven mindsets of world-class performance. 
But in addition to that is a course. It's a video course online, nine videos, uh, eight lessons. We walk you through the seven mindsets. Uh, and then, um, you know, as a, as a perk on the course, I'll come in and, and teach uh, to coach you, coach your team through it. Um, you know, we talked about how do coaches become mindset coaches, why they got to do all this other stuff. Well, a real easy way we've set up for you is, is these uh, videos with discussion guide. So you play the video for your team, follow the workbook, it guides you in discussion. And then uh, I'm also available to come in and, and connect dots for your team and share that way. So um, it's all found at championshift.com. Uh, and, and there's a link there to catching confetti. Amazing stuff, Coach. Thanks for sharing the game with us. And uh, thanks for uh, all of your insights you've provided and will continue to provide to so many coaches. Thanks for having me, Coach. It's uh, really an honor and privilege to, to be on, uh, on with you. Thanks for listening. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and to give the Basketball Podcast and this week's guest a shout out on social media to show your support for us sharing the game. And to stay up to date on all things basketball immersion, subscribe to our newsletter at basketballimmersion.com newsletter.